Welcome to the Healing While Black podcast, where we believe it's possible and necessary for Black people to heal, thrive, and celebrate our lives in the face of injustice. We'll highlight the often unheard voices and perspectives of Black people on a range of topics that impact our lives. I'm Misty. And I'm Kiana. And we're two Black women therapists with real lives trying to heal while Black and figure it all out too. Thanks for joining us. You ready? Mm-hmm. Today we welcome Therese Couture using she, her pronouns. Is a trauma-informed embodiment practitioner, leadership coach, and founder of Embodied Black Girl, a global community that stands for the embodied liberation of Black women and women of color everywhere. Therese's work bridges leadership, spirituality, healing, somatics, mindfulness, decolonization, and social change. Therese believes that healing is personal and political, spiritual and corporeal. Now here's our interview with the amazing Therese. We hope you enjoy. All right. Well, guys, today we're here with Therese Couture, and she's joining us for a phenomenal discussion. Um, And we're just going to jump right in. So, Therese, tell us about yourself. Tell us how you got here. Um, well, first, thank you so much, Misty and Kiana, for having me. I'm so glad to be chatting with you and having this conversation. So I'm really honored to be here. As are we to have you. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Um, so to answer your question, tell us about yourself. First, I have to say I'm a mama. <laughs> My son is four years old. I'm like, that's that's what I lead with right now. I'm I'm a mom and that takes up a lot of my energy and time. And right before this, I was telling you, like, I'm just taking a break for much of the summer just because I'm tired and having a little four-year-old is exhausting. That <laughs> <He has part. laughs> endless energy. Um, I'm also the founder of Embodied Black Girl. I'm a leadership coach. I'm an embodiment practitioner and teacher. Um, Yeah, so that's just a little bit about myself. And in terms of how I I got here, um, it's been a long journey and I see it as more of like chapters. I feel that there's um, quote unquote, the branding kind of machine tells you that you have to kind of package yourself into like this bite size, give it to, give it to us quick. But really I see right. it more as, yeah, as <laughs> chapters, like it's, it's chapters and my healing journey mm-hmm. started um, many years ago and it started through holistic health. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was trying to heal my body after I got diagnosed with gallstones. Mm-hmm. And I had to subsequently have surgery to remove my gallbladder. And I was like super duper young um, at the time. So the doctor was like, this shouldn't be happening. And so I went on this journey of holistic trying to heal my body holistically. And that really meant going back to ancestral foods 
Mm. Um, opposed to, <laughs> I mm. loved eating McDonald's mm. when I was a teenager. <laughs> those fries, right? Those fries. fries. There's something about those fries that kind of are a little bit like, you know, those crack fries. cocaine. <laughs> right? those fries. That addiction. Okay. <laughs> I get you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that, and so that was one part of my journey. And then later when I was in grad school, I was at a really in a racist program. Let's just put it. Mm. It's like a bluntly really racist program. And there was a lot of gaslighting going on and that led me. And I remember a friend of mine, like handed me like this personal development um, CD. And that led me down the path of like, okay, mm. uh, yoga and mm. learning more about um, shadow work and, and things mm. like that. Mm. And, um, and I think really the final part, at, well, subsequently after going to school, I went and I studied, I got trained mm. in like coaching shadow work and different modalities but really what I realized is that you know ever since I was young like a little kid I was raised by my mom and my dad who were both raised in the country they're originally from Aichi and that's where I was mm -hmm. born and so I remember I grew up in Brooklyn New York and hey. I remember my yeah <laughs> I remember my mom would take me on these walks and like show me like the medicine that mm. that's literally on the oh, sidewalk right? mm. yep. yeah right it's on the sidewalk so it it was combining all of those things and then um you know a really hard situation like many other black folks face i was um stopped by the police i was um detained in this situation that really went out of control and mm. i could have lost my life and that led me again on another, like it was, I say to my clients um, and the folks that I work with, it's about spiraling deeper. Mm. So like, I see all these chapters of like spiraling deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, and mm. yeah, so for me that, that final part of the chapter was not separating any of my parts. So mm. not separating my being a woman, from being black, right. from being raised poor, mm -hmm. from be, like all of these things yeah. that I felt going into certain rooms, I had to separate, yeah. I had to leave mm -hmm. blackness out the door. Right. Um, and all these different parts of me. And that's such a huge part. Like I can't right. even leave it out the door. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's so just a little bit of that. Yeah. So existing wholly as a whole person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as a whole person right yeah oh not wholly like spiritually but whole <laughs> as a whole as in a complete person and being able to bring that person into any room or environment that you go oh yes yes ma'am yes, ma i'm a firm believer in authenticity and being able to live your life authentically by your definition versus society's definition mm -hmm. absolutely um speaking about what you do you said you're an embodiment coach what is that well actually you said it it's walking yeah. <laughs> into any space and being fully yourself mm. it's wholeness it's being connected to your body 
it's more of a bottom-up approach to healing. Mm. So healing starts in the body mm -hmm. um, and getting connected to the wisdom that's within our bodies and what it's sharing with us. Yeah. I love that. Okay. I, I think it's real how you talked about your journey kind of beginning your journey into sort of healing sort of really began with this acknowledgement of essentially these oppressive systems in your in your world right like you moving through these struggles and 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 oppression you know in many ways um can you talk a little bit um about well you know, there's a quote on your website, the embodiedblackgirl.com that talks about healing that's rooted, radical and real. Can you, you know, give us a little bit of insight on, you know, what that means for black people in healing? Um, what does rooted, radical and real mean in the healing process? That's such a good question. And, and when I really sat with it, it's like, okay, rooted is being grounded. Mm. It's knowing who you're from and what you're sourced from. Mm. And that's the infinite or mm. the divine or God or whatever people you want to call it. Right. Um, that foundation. That foundation. So important. Mm. That foundation, because with a foundation, with being rooted, someone else can't tell you who you are that because part. you know who you are. And I feel, especially for black folks, other people are always telling us who we are and trying to define us. And it's so important for us to define ourselves for ourselves. And especially um, they're trying to tell us who we are and who we're not and exactly. what we're not. And I'll be damned. <laughs> like, I'll be damned. <laughs> for sure. Like, and what spaces you belong to and what, where can you go? How much can you experience what can you do so when you're rooted to the truth of who you are whether that's your you know your family your ancestors the divine all of that just being really rooted to that truth and for some people that could mean uprooting what mm. has actually been in the way mm -hmm. wow yeah like, because so just because something was a part of the foundation that was established for you doesn't mean that is what you need in your foundation to move forward or to heal or to become the person that you need to become. Establishing, and I, not establishing, but identifying, I think, what your foundation is, is uh, important. Mm -hmm. For sure. It's like, I mean, I think a simple question someone could ask is like, is this serving me? Mm -hmm. And then... And then to bring it out, because I feel like we live in a culture that's so individualistic and it's rooted in individualism. And so is it serving me? Is it serving family? Is it serving my community? Is it serving the world? Mm -hmm. Love that. So literally mm -hmm. going through all those layers mm -hmm. to go beyond just yourself. Mm -hmm. And um, radical, I feel radical is giving yourself permission to be free giving yourself permission to rest, giving yourself permission to love your body exactly as it is, giving yourself permission mm. to be vulnerable, giving yes. yourself permission to be strong when you want to be, not because it's a trope mm. that people say, oh yeah, you're a black woman, you're right. strong. I mean, mm -hmm. if strong I had black a woman. penny, 
Mm. Every time someone I'd be said, the rich, so strong. strong black woman. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be rich too, then, if that were the case. <laughs> I love that. I felt, listen, I feel like you preach it because I want to be over here saying, amen, amen, amen <laughs> to it all. Absolutely, 100%. You can ask Misty. I talk a lot about authenticity and the freedom to be who I choose to be, not who I'm told to be by anybody. So not by white supremacist thoughts or not by black people who operate in white supremacy thought processes, right? Like I get to decide, but remembering that in itself, that is, that's, that's foundation. That's growing that that's something to grow from and it keeps you grounded. I love that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, keeping grounded. And then um, the last part, real, real. Mm-hmm. is I feel like what you just spoke to, Kiana, um, being your whole self, mm. being your whole self and not leaving any parts of you at the door. I know, you know, so mm-hmm. many of us can relate to growing up in Black families where it's like, this is the inside, like you don't share mm-hmm. your business, don't put your business in the streets. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, don't put your business in the streets. And that yeah. prevents us from healing. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about the internet streets oh, Lord, necessarily. No. Oh. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but in, in spaces where that is actually centering our right. healing, where mm-hmm. it's not just about um, um having different right. gazes, whether it's right. the white gaze or you mm-hmm. know, just like it's not, yeah, judgmental yeah. gaze. Um, in safe spaces where it's okay, or, you know, in, or brave spaces, right? Like spaces where we can be. And right. And, but, yeah. and also to give respect to the fact of how that came about, right? It wasn't safe for us to share what we were experiencing or going through on a large scale because our vulnerability has been and continues to be used as a weapon against us, right? So that's, Right. That's where it stems Mm -hmm. from. But Mm -hmm. even in that, even though we know where it comes from, it still doesn't serve us. Right. And Mm -hmm. I think pointing Mm -hmm. that out is is perfect. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I I love those, you know, those kind of three R's, you know, rooted, radical and real. And actually, the the quote on the site goes a little further than that. It says, reveal your wholeness. Welcome to your revolution, sis. If you end any mm. sentence with sis, I'm down. I, I, I am down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And when you were talking, you, um, or when you were explaining your story, you mentioned your parents. Can you speak a little about how generations and healing specifically for black people and healing intergenerational trauma you know what what is that one and what has that looked like for you Mm, such a good question and i love the conversation of of talking about intergenerational trauma Mm. i feel like it's important as we're talking about intergenerational trauma to weave in intergenerational healing Mm -hmm. Yes, we can stay so focused on intergenerational trauma and mm-hmm. not realize right. at the same time there's healing mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. And, in, you know, intergenerational, it speaks to what is passed down generation after generation. And trauma, it speaks to all the ways that 
we've been made to feel unsafe, unloved, unprotected, alone, and are in patterns, these patterns of unsafety. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with, with Black folks, we're not a monolith. So that can look like so many different things, how it manifests in our lives. Like we might not be even thinking about what intergenerational trauma is, but it can be showing up like feeling like an imposter syndrome, mm. or perfectionism, mm-hmm. which is something that I have had mm-hmm. to contend with and feeling unworthy, feeling like you don't belong. Mm-hmm. All of those things are passed down um, intergenerationally, can be passed down intergenerationally. And, you know, you could find yourself overcompensating mm-hmm. um, because yeah. of those things. And on the flip side, I know I have worked with some um, folks who are really talented and really great at what they're doing, but they're overcompensating. Mm. Like through, it looks like success and it looks like fame even, or it looks like a lot of money on that surface, but their mm-hmm. trauma right. pushed them mm-hmm. to do a lot of those things. And at a certain point, it just catches up Absolutely. to you. And you still got to come see us, Missy and Kiana. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Absolutely. um, You know what that just brings up for me? That trope that you hear all the time that uh, as a Black person, you have to work twice as hard to get half as much. And that's out of trauma experiences. It's one of those things that I refuse to accept. I refuse, even if it is reality, right? Because I'll be damned once again. I'm I'm not doing Mm. the most to get part. I'm going to do all of what I want to do to get all of what I want to, what I need, but I get to define what that is, right? So taking thought processes outside of society's expectations, I think also is a way to kind of look at how to heal from intergenerational trauma Hmm. Hmm. yeah well i mean let's let's talk about you know what it you know what it feels like well what healing actually can look like right i I, and i think to your point you know teres you talk about you know we can sometimes get caught up in the 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 trauma and the pain of it right and that it is really important for us to look at the at the flip side of it and and i think one of one little point is i think in the same way that we do you know take on the generations of trauma and you know that stuff gets passed down right like all that pain all that suffering all the you know all the ways that we be become as a result of the things that our ancestors and the people that have you know come before us have experienced in the same way that we you know, that trauma gets passed down. I think there's a lot of healing stuff that also gets passed down as well. Like some ways that our people have over time still, you know, learn to cope with, you know, these traumatic experiences and, and, and things like that. Um, so can you talk a little bit about the, the power of healing intergenerational um, trauma and what yeah. that might look like for, for black people? Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's beautiful and it's powerful and so many um, somatic embodiment practices are rooted Mm. in black and brown cultures. Mm -hmm. 
So I mm -hmm. really want to, I really want to name that and say that because mm -hmm. I feel that it's not named. Yes. And it's not said. Exactly. And, mm -hmm. you know, my mom, one of the things growing up, she would always be humming and singing in the mm. house. She still does. She's <laughs> with me. And um, that's what she always does. Mm -hmm. And that is ancestral medicine. Yes. For yes. us, I know you had an episode last season about music. Yes, <laughs> that is that that is. is. We actually spoke about humming mm -hmm. a little bit in that episode. It's mm -hmm. yeah, it is such a part of us. Yep. Yeah, my grandmother used to hum too, and I feel like I still feel the vibrations of that, right? Or you know, and and I, the the soothing you know, ness that that brings, you know, like I, it's, yeah, there's, there's nothing like it, you know? Yes. But I think it's important to do what you do, Therese, which is point those things out and acknowledge them and say, listen, we've been doing these things, right? Let's just, just cause they're over here doing yoga and they're in their little yoga pants now, let's not think they started it. Or like if they're yeah. using these herbs, they did not start it, you know, let's, what was the source? What was the root? What was the foundation of it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's mm -hmm. reclaim it yeah, for ourselves. It. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, Missy, you're just sharing how your grandmother sung and I'm sharing my mom's, my mom, she still hums and does all of that. And it's like, well, the question is like, am I doing it? Yes. Are you mm -hmm. humming? Mm -hmm. Like, and mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I, yeah, I do sing, but mm -hmm. I don't hum mm -hmm. as much. Like sometimes mm -hmm. I do. Right. Sometimes I do, mm. um, but the way that she does all, mm -hmm. you know, it's just part of her mm -hmm. body, her DNA. Yep. And I just, I, I like to think of it as like, oh, what could we tap into mm -hmm. if we allow ourselves to go deep enough in that, in that field, mm -hmm. what could we tap mm -hmm. into? Right. Yeah. What could we tap into? What healing could we tap into if we allow ourselves to go really deep within mm -hmm. that? Right. We have so many yeah. answers within us. <laughs> we are always yeah. steady right. seeking outside of us for the answers. And I think part of that is because we don't know how to listen to the, mm, what's a good point. inside of us. And there's so much noise from society, so much noise it's hard to pick out what is actually for us. So that mm. so important and mm. so, so important and so possible, the healing of intergenerational Absolutely. trauma. And imagine what the world could look yeah. like though, if a lot of black people, I ain't even gonna say all, but a lot of black people got on, on board of trying to heal things that have existed yeah. in our families forever. Yeah, and I have to say it also happens in community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It yeah. happens in community, I think, with the whole thing that you're talking about with like you see them doing their yoga and <laughs> not acknowledging the roots of mm -hmm. yoga from India and um, mm -hmm. not acknowledging the roots of the herbs and things like that. Yeah. I think I think it's important for us to remember. It gives us power. Yeah. It gives us back a power that they've tried to take through erasure. Absolutely. And remember through community. Yeah. So community allows us to remember. And part of the healing journey, and I really want to point this out, is that it's important to have a witness. 
Mm. Can you talk a little bit more about like just community and and having a yeah, witness? Like, what what does yeah the, the the power of that? Like I I think in many cultures, like when you look throughout many cultures, like when a child hits a certain age, it's like time for initiation. Mm -hmm. Mm. And the community comes together to witness yeah. that child to say, okay, now you have stepped into, you're stepping into young mm -hmm. adulthood. Yeah. You're stepping into that. And we don't have those initiations right. anymore. Yeah. yeah. And, mm -hmm. and just the, even the initiation of like into motherhood. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like when you step into mother, when I've stepped into motherhood of one of the things that I did was acknowledged that my maidenhood mm -hmm. was gone because it's gone. Wow. So it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> and however, what I get to do when we acknowledge those mm. pivotal, pivotal mm. moments mm -hmm. is to, is to bring forward the lessons, right? Yeah. Right. You right. bring forward the lessons of that time. Right. right. And you're, it allows you to integrate. Um, mm. and, and that, and having a community to witness you mm -hmm. to say, oh, I, I've seen right. your journey. Mm -hmm. I saw mm -hmm. you do that. It was mm -hmm. real. Right. It was real. Yeah. It was real. I'm sure, yeah. you know, in your, in your sessions, a lot of times it's validating. Oh yeah. What, so much of what a lot of what <laughs> you were saying was making me think of my clients, right? The, mm -hmm. the witnessing the community yeah. and specifically women i had postpartum depression and i've worked with women with postpartum depression and a lot of times what is experienced is not understanding how to process the loss of the person they were and they don't mm. have a community around them sometimes mm -hmm. to say hey this is gonna happen or this is what it feels like or what mm -hmm. it potentially can feel like and it's okay yeah but this is to come okay. this is what we're right. letting go but look at what is to come and for a lot of moms new moms that's and dads but moms more um more specifically experience that at like a high rate a high rate that brings them in a lot for postpartum depression Mm, that, yeah, I was saying it's so important also that we bring in ceremony and ritual mm -hmm. in that mm -hmm. honoring. Yeah, and that really helps with the integration. It really helps with the with the letting letting go, the yep. shedding, yeah. so yeah. that you can step into that new new skin. Mm, absolutely, yeah. I love I love that idea of like bearing witness and just the community helping to kind of sell you know, taking moments to, to celebrate transitions and, you know, and, you know, the different aspects of life. Um, I, right. And I think Kiana, you pointing out sometimes, you know, it's important for like some of your clients to, you know, be able to have somebody say, this is how it's going to be, or this is, you know, or it's okay. Like you, you're coming through that and it's okay. And I see right. You. I see and, what and I see through. you. Yeah. Right. And I think that's, that's the thing that we get in community right. that we, it's really hard. We can't get really by our, we can't get by ourselves, Right. Like that. It's like community helps to bring 
perspective, right? Or mirroring back. And, you know, which is something that I think we do in therapy, in therapy right. as well, right? Is sometimes it's just literally, you know, just showing them this, okay, this is part of the process. This is part of the normal part of the process is where you are. You're doing all right. Or just mirroring back what, what the underlying emotion is or what they're feeling or what is true for right. them, right? Just what they're showing. It's not, it's like, I'm not adding anything here. I'm just acknowledging you and helping you to see that you, part. right? So you know, many of my therapeutic conversations is literally highlighting things that they had have achieved mm -hmm. that they minimize. And it's like, oh, it's so part right. of the process that, well, I fed the baby and I changed the diaper and I did all the things. It's like, <laughs> you did all the things right like let's, let's think about those you things you just did it, right if you didn't change it if you didn't rock it like shit would hit the fan okay so you did the things <laughs> they were not minuscule they were very important right and acknowledging yeah. that and pointing that out to people hell that's why i go to therapy i need you to point out how great i am because I know I'm pretty darn great, mm -hmm. but I need you to point it out to me so I can slow down sometimes and smell the roses. And it's really important. Right. It's so funny, though, when yeah. you talk about community in that sense, it really, really makes me what what comes up for me is how that is not an American concept. It's yeah. Holistic um, thought process and, and concerns is what drives America and white white supremacist thought. So then that would bring me to the term decolonization, right? So when I when when community comes up, that also comes up the term decolonize. Can you kind of go into and explain maybe what decolon decolonization means and what it could mean for healing for Black people? Thank you for that question. It's such a good question. And to me, I feel like there's many definitions of, of decolonization and I, and I take it, I'm going to take it back to a lot of the roots and they, there are roots of it in indigenous cultures and there are so roots of it in black cultures and there are roots of it in um, specifically in IET being the first Black and Latin American country that decolonized mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, or and freed themselves from colonial right. powers. So I feel that decolonization is rooted in revolution. Mm. Mm. It, it's rooted in revolution. Thank you for saying and that. It's also untethering the way that our minds have been infiltrated by the white supremacist, colonialist, imperialist, mm -hmm. capitalist patriarchy. Mm -hmm. And reclaiming parts of, reclaiming all of ourselves mm. for ourselves. And really I see decolonization really more as also as um, untethering our imaginations mm. from those structures. Mm -hmm. Like, because the reality that we're living, having this conversation that we're having today, mm -hmm. that's not within the imagination of systems of oppression and domination. Right. The conversation we're having right now 
was within the imaginations of our ancestors mm. that had to see beyond mm. their yeah. circumstances of what they yeah. were living. So it's so like, beautiful. it's, it's, few, it's, it's the present, it's the past and it's the future. Absolutely. Mm. Wow. I love that. Yeah, I do too. And I feel like, you know, talking about decolonization in the way that you, the, some of the last words that you just said, you know, this conversation was, it sort of was in the imagination of our ancestors because part of their work was to imagine the un unimaginable, right? Like, you know, to imagine beyond the systems, beyond their circumstances, right? And, and all of that, right? And, and, you know, just thinking about what that means, you know, for us in our lives, right? That it's, and, and also just giving ourselves permission to, look beyond like the day-to-day -day reality that we you know that we all face I, I i feel like as a society we we totally struggle with being able to do that you know with being able to like look beyond the the present circumstances and, and dream and think you know think big but i'm really thankful to our ancestors that they did right because we we're the products of that um we get to have these conversations we get to live and do things that were not possible <laughs> you know we're, there was no structure for right in 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 our history in the past right. you know and, and yeah and i think we we have to carry that forward right like part of it is us doing that work and continuing to dream and imagine um in those big ways thank you for that point i um i think two things one colonization in itself was created to try to ensure we don't, we didn't think this big, we didn't dream this big, we didn't think this was a possibility to sit here and have these kind of conversations. That was the intent, or yeah. that is the intent of colonization, white supremacist thought, right? And two, I would like to think that more than just some of our ancestors dreamed for this moment, I would love to think of it that some of our ancestors knew this moment was going to happen. They expected it to happen mm. because they know mm. us. No, not they know us because they knew them. Themselves mm. and what it took to even survive. I wouldn't be strong enough to be a, a live slave. You would have to kill me. Like, I'm not strong enough to endure it. <laughs> I'm just not. I, I'm, I'm not. I don't think I'm built that way. Right. So I would love to believe in my spirit that some of my ancestors knew like all right you might got it for the moment but it's not gonna stay that way because that is the spirit i feel i have inside of me <laughs> that i'll be damn spirit <laughs> i don't know <laughs> it just <laughs> it really, it really yeah. helps me to want to continue that kind of forward movement in the decolonized way and expand it in my own thought process i want to decolonize thought process for people that look like me to fully be able to decide what they want. So if you want to operate under certain systems because that's what you choose, I want you to be able to have that choice. I may not agree with it. You may not be able to sit with me if you make that choice, but I want you to have the freedom to make that choice, right? <laughs> but I want in making that choice, you need to have all the information available, not just the colonized information. Give, give us all and i it's our job i think 
to give it to people that look like us, people of color, black people specifically, because they're not going to do it. That's mm. what the colonized thought is. Mm. It, yeah. yeah. Just one last point. I love what you said that. Go ahead. One last point. I was talking with, I was in a group supervision with a bunch of other therapists and they, they, I was one of the only, I was the only talking black person and um, everyone else was white and talking about how they just don't understand how to kind of confront racism and things like that. And I had to tell them part of it or express to them my feeling is part of it is having these conversations with the people that look like you. They're not gonna look like me, right? Mm -hmm. I can't decolonize mm -hmm. thought processes within people that benefit from those thought processes. That's your job. So the same work I do to decolonize, I'm gonna need y'all to get on it too. Right. So what you think <laughs> it should be if you think everyone should be able to do it. when it comes time for you to show and prove, show and prove. But don't just have a conversation. I don't know what to do. Because if I'm if I'm out here decolonizing, listen, I'm tagging everybody close to me. You're it too. <laughs> yeah. Funny. yeah. And I think at the same point is that, you know, white folks, a lot of white folks, well, white folks believe there's a sense of like entitlement and I belong anywhere mm -hmm. and I'm going to take over anything mm -hmm. and recognizing that decolonization is for BIPOC mm -hmm. and their job is to become, I believe, in my point of view, anti-racist mm -hmm. and anti-colonial mm. yeah. and anti-colonial and, and addressing all of those things within them um mm. and decolonization like i feel for us as black folks it's about embodiment because you just having it in your mind and being like oh yes i right. you know that's like it's not enough <laughs> a yeah. checklist right that's yeah. a checklist right but decolonization is an embodied process and an embodied process is not a checklist a checklist is like, once again, in many ways, it could be, sometimes you need a checklist, it's, it's important, but in, in this kind of work, a checklist is, is it's more so about um, those systems of oppression, mm -hmm. right? Those systems of dominance that are like, okay, it's urgent, we got to, you know, how do we get this right? What do we have to do? Mm. But if yeah. we're even talking about decolonization, we got to, also bring in decolonization, our, 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 our relationship to time. Mm. Like, I know, like, my, <laughs> I don't know if your family is like that, but like my mom, it's like, they'll be like, oh, something is starting at, and like, <laughs> annoy me, yeah. annoy me so much, but they just have a different, you know, something is starting at like six and then, you know, it's, it's like Caribbean hours time. later. Family, I'm just saying, listen, you get there on time if you want to, you're going to be bored. <laughs> but, the, right. but the thing is it's having a different relationship to time mm -hmm. it's yeah. not being bound by time mm, it's so real and if you go to anyone who's like a healer or any <laughs> any medicine person mm. like they give you a time frame yep. you might be waiting mm. <laughs> if, if there's not this this construct it's right. really this construct of time it's such a colonized yeah. thought i was listening to a podcast level and they were talking about it was someone who had visited africa 
uh, I forget what country specifically, but they were talking about how they would go to events and show up on time and be like, well, here's everybody. And they kind of <laughs> had to culturally explain to them culturally, like, first of all, the party doesn't start until everyone shows up. And if everyone, whenever someone shows up, we start the greetings all over for that person that shows up. <laughs> like, it's just part of the culture. And that expectation, like, it's such a colonized thought. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. I, I listen. I am American. I, I was born here. I do get pissed off when people are late all the time. But, and I'm late all the time. I feel like the ancestors are all within me. I'm, I'm like, I don't. I'm. A, I function on my own time. I'm right, late you know, all the time. right. So it's like, <laughs> it's like these. So yeah. I guess my point is, these things exist within us. I'm not ashamed that I like to be. On, I like people to be on time for me, right? But I also forgive myself for that expectation and the inability to do so right but that is i think part of the decolonization process acceptance mm. of where you are and then forward movement to where you want to be and for me that's mm. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be late i mean it's like isaiah goes to sleep at a certain time so if mm. someone is like time be I working can't. sometimes right you know time is like you know the colonizer you don't put something good that we need to use right you know like we need to keep that right you know like <laughs> but we we they, right exactly we acknowledge where it came from right <laughs> yeah but well I, you know i i think it would be great for us to hear a little bit you know more about the work that you're doing with Embodied Black Girl? Yeah, um, I, for the past few years, um, I was just led to create more spaces for Black women and women of color. And, um, and I remember last year in 2020, I, it was like so clear, the beginning of 2020 before the whole mm -hmm. pandemic hit, I really heard you're going to be doing grief circles. You need to start doing grief circles. And I was mm. like, really? Okay. Continue doing grief circles. Cause I was already doing that. And then I started doing it. Mm. And I, of course it caught up why it was so necessary and mm -hmm. providing those spaces mm -hmm. and with the uprisings more and more black people recognizing that the civil rights movement didn't end. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, there, there are some people who recognize that beforehand, but some people didn't recognize that, right? right? They were living in an alternate world, right? <laughs> A world where they're, they're, not, they're not wanting to look at that, that part, right? Yep. Not wanting to look at that part. So really providing a space where... Um, where black women and women of color can come together to heal mm -hmm. come together and making it accessible so most of the things that you know we've done have been free or low very low cost mm -hmm. um like we had a global healing day this mm -hmm. year back in the spring um and just giving black folks and women of color and femmes of color mm -hmm. opportunities to heal Mm -hmm. opportunities to be together in community um because healing happens in community absolutely yeah yeah and i want to note you did you say you said femmes of color right and so that's that's broader you know that that 
there's like an inclusiveness um, in that. Can you talk a little bit about um, the, the folks that um, you tend to work with through Embodied Black Girl? Yeah, it's women, it's femmes. Some people identify as non-binary or gender non-conforming. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's important to uh, have space for all of those individuals. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. because we can't leave anyone behind. Absolutely. I think it's important to have spaces like that where those individuals can come and feel in community because so many spaces, they don't feel in community. So to come to a space that is supposed to be that and then welcomes everyone in that way. Oh, I love it. I love mm -hmm. it. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, when we look at the statistics, we also have to recognize that folks in the LGBTQIA, mm -hmm. especially Black trans, trans. women, mm -hmm. yeah. are deeply, deeply impacted Oof. by violence, oh, yes. by suicide, yeah. and um, and a lot of it is about not belonging. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, I, and I just want that to stop within our communities yeah, and absolutely. our families, yep. embrace, embrace our people. Yeah, Love it. we are where you are. I, that needs to stop. We, right, absolutely. I want it to stop as well. Yeah, it's it's painful that that's even a part of our communities, you know. Um, and it is part of de, you know, decolonization as well, right? You know that 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 is part of it, um, right? A lot of these systems and structures and these, you know, sort of binaries and, and ways of thinking of ourselves, right? That's you know, a lot of that that's rooted in white supremacist patriarchy, right? And and you know, in in, in these the the these ideas about you know gender and and all of that. Um, no, and so body created yeah. more boxes than white people. You heard? <laughs> they have more boxes than a moving company. It's like I damn your box, okay? I got about two, three. I'm gonna, I'm gonna accept everything else. You figure it out. Like right. I'm not going in no more boxes. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everything but, has to be categorized. Right. right. What I am is right. awesome. Put that in a box. Human. <laughs> right. Human. Right. Human. Right. And I, I feel like that's what our people. I feel like our 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 ancestors were able to have an imagination because there was something essential that they already knew. Like, I'm you know, despite how these people are trying to like make me be or out to be, I know that I'm human, right? You know, like I feel like our our, our folks knew that, right? They understood they had a, you know, an understanding of their humanity. Right. And I someone. You can't take No, you can't. You can try, you can have behaviors that may convey that, but my humanity is something God gave me. So how? How are you gonna take it? How are you gonna take it? Right. right. And remembering that they can't take it. So that makes us stronger to push back against these systems and implement more decolonized thoughts into the way me personally, I, I work, you know, I do my work. I, I don't take a decolonized thought into only sessions with black people. I take that into all of my sessions, right? Because mm -hmm. like we were saying before, like essentially it starts with me, right? Because I have this thought process and if you're going to work with me, this is where the, the umbrella we're working under. I don't work under those systems that don't serve all people. At least I try not mm -hmm. to. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Teresa, were there any other thoughts that you wanted to share uh, with us? With yeah, the people? I just, I, I'm just so happy to have this conversation. Thank you so much. This has been like so rich and lovely to connect with both of you. <laughs> I think we thank you so much. Um, for me personally, this has been amazing. Mm. I, I get a physical sensation at the at the base of my spine when I mm. am moved either through anger <laughs> or excitement. <laughs> and you, and it comes up when I'm in these spaces where I'm not supposed to be who I am, right? So when that's mm. the anger, I feel it there and then I can't help say what I have to say. But in this conversation, mm-hmm. I felt that sensation in my spine and it was for the opposite reason. It was wow, I love that. I felt so fulfilled and plugged in that that was exciting. Mm. So for that, I thank you specifically. Yeah, wow. thank you. I got goosebumps throughout this conversation too. That's how I get it. I, get it. Like uh, I love that. I love that. I I certainly feel inspired and I feel like reinvigorated. Right, like to just continue this conversation. I think. Ah, thank you so much for for talking about all of this, you know, and, and, and just intergenerational trauma and healing and decolonize decolonization. I feel like this is a really important conversation for us to have, you know, as a community of black folks, you know, to really, really ponder and think about, okay, how are we, you know, how does this impact us? And, and then to do the next step of being embodied, right. You know, just embodying, right. These, um, some practices, um, so thank you. This is awesome. Thank you. Is there are there any um, social media, any information you want to get out, give out in case uh, listeners want to get in contact with you or follow your work? How can we find you? Yes, you can find me on uh, embodiedblackgirl.com and embodiedblackgirl on all social, well, really Instagram. And you can also find me at therezcouture.com and therezcouture, all socials. Mm. And that's T-H-E-R-E-S-E-C-A-T-O-R. And we'll be sure to put all that information in our show notes as well. Once again, Therese, thank you so much for joining us today. Therese, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Therese Couture. That was an amazing interview. Yes, that was wonderful. I feel like it was, there was so much fire there. I think it's the energy. I think when like-minded people get together and start discussing topics there's an energy (laughs) that is generated between the three although we are virtual i I still tangibly felt it absolutely Uh, so we thank you so much therese for for joining us Uh, that was really wonderful that was and thank you for what you do thank you for who you are and what you do for our community so needed so needed So that takes us to our takeaways for this episode. Um, Something that I, that resonated with me in the interview was the discussion of community, right? And how community is so important and such part of our culture and um, the power there is in Mm. keeping and having a community. Yes. And the actually, and what what community can mean? That's also what 
where my my thought process went when discussing this yeah even in the power of of the interview like we were just discussing to me that felt so powerful because we were the like-minded people we were Mm -hmm. in community discussing something that we were passionate about that we feel Mm -hmm. that idea or that that feeling was so impactful and so powerful I'm a very kind of individual person you know I'm Mm. I'm like only child I have an only child you know I just I've, I've never had a lot of people even my extended family isn't that large on my mother or my father's side, right? Mm. So there, there's idea, I know what community is and I know how it can feel. And when I was younger, I went to church and I understood what that energy felt like. But during this interview, I felt it in a different way because mm. it, it was in community. It was being in community with like-minded women who are like me yeah with the same purpose in mind which is Mm. our whole community you know community of uh black people it just it resonated with me so much and it and it I want to say kind of lit a fire in Mm. me to find community with intent right to be intentional with this process and being be intentional with who I spend time with and Mm. what energy I allow to be in my space I'm already you know not the biggest fan of people but (laughs) (laughs) but it 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 is prompting me to want to extend myself more Mm. that's that was one of my takeaways from Mm. the the interview okay community yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely I, I think that's really just that's a wonderful point and i love that that's your takeaway right just that desire to be connected with other like-minded folks um Mm -hmm. and i think you know one of you know one of the i think important pieces that therese was kind of pointing out is is that healing for us right like when we're kind of healing from that intergenerational trauma that um ought to happen it's important that it happens in community right Mm -hmm. that it's you know we i think in this culture right we it is a very individualistic kind of lifestyle and like kind of you know that that's that's part of this culture but how that in and of itself kind of creates a little bit of trauma right you know that that creates some trauma and and so it's important to kind of go back to what our ancestors did and and how right it's like how could they could not have gotten through what they were experiencing without being together, being in community with each other, right? Um, and, that, and that also ties into the decolonization portion of the conversation, mm-hmm. right? Me, us, Black folks, getting back to what was ancestrally mm-hmm. ritual, right? To mm-hmm. just be in community. That was lifestyle, right? right. That, like you said, is not the culture uh western culture right Mm -hmm. that is not a capitalistic society you cannot live in a capitalist society and be in or think of community right the whole point of it is to be on top right and it's not that I ever needed or or felt the desire that I had to one up somebody but I grew up in a society a capitalistic society that wasn't 
giving me anything just because I exist, right? And Mm -hmm. on top of it, telling me I don't deserve anything because I exist. So I had Mm -hmm. to figure out a way to keep myself safe and look out for me and me, 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 because the world wasn't made for me, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's balancing what real life is for me now, which is I got to protect there has to be a barrier between me and society's expectations has to be or else I will not thrive Mm. or survive yeah but and still (laughs) I need that community to be truly authentically who I am internally right I need I need to figure out how to do both things at the same time right yeah yep awesome awesome so what did um, you take away from this episode, Miss Misty? Yeah, um, a lot of great takeaways. I think this was a really beautiful and powerful conversation. Um, I think the thing that I was really inspired by um, was sort of part of, you know, the the, the conversation about intergenerational trauma and <clears throat> um, intergenerational healing. Um, and this the reality that our ancestors in order for us to be where we are um for us to even be in a place where we can sort of begin healing you know from you know all these oppressive forces that you know our people have experienced historically that our ancestors had to have some vision right um in order for us to be able to you know live the kind of lives that that we're able to right now you know albeit the stills you know we got a long ways to go um hmm. but <laughs> um but we have some we have some freedoms that our our ancestors did not have right and in order for us to be able to live the way we are and, and for us to have those freedoms they had to have vision right and that for me just thinking about that um feels really powerful I can imagine that not being an easy feat, you know, something easy to just kind of come, you know, to be able to dream and and think about the future and future generations and and all of that stuff Um, because of their, you know, the circumstances, right? Mm. You know, and they, in order for them to have vision and think about what we would be able to accomplish, you know, years and years and, you know, generations down the line, I feel like, our ancestors probably had to have a really sound sense of their humanity. And that is in the face of their humanity being stripped away from them every single day, right? You know, um, in the face of them being, you know, basically property, you know. um, Not basically, (laughs) property. They were treated and looked at as property as property absolutely right um in the face of them not being able to control their bodies their time be able to have you know any autonomy over anything most aspects of their lives but yet they still understood they understood their worth right and they understood the worth of of us and you know the generations to come and i am i i think that's such a beautiful thing right, to be able to have vision amidst a time when everything can be dark, can be fully dark, right, um, and, and and everything is stripped away from us. And yeah, I and I think about, I guess that 
part of it, maybe the, you know, the reason why that probably resonated with me is because I think I've always been sort of a, a little bit of a dreamer kind of person, mm -hmm. you know, always like thinking, thinking about ideas, thinking about, you know, living life in ways that I hadn't seen before and, and you know, and, and things like that. And part of me feels like that must have come from, I don't know where that came from, right? That must have come from, you know, something in, in, in my genes, right? You know, folks passing stuff down. But I, I think about, you know, like I grew up in the housing projects in poverty, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, being able to have some dreams helped me to think about like reimagine what life could be like for the people that I grew up around. And despite what we were told every day about ourselves, mm -hmm. right? All those negative, nasty ideas that we were told about ourselves. And so I, for me, that was a really relevant um, point. And it was, yeah, really beautiful. And, and it's something that I hope that we as Black people can continue to have is for us to continue to dream forward, right? And, mm -hmm. and have vision um, in the face of, you know, sometimes dire circumstances, right? Because that, that that's part. what will help to keep us and our generations moving forward. I love that because to me, the way I see it is as though our ancestors were able to dream because they remembered their ancestors, right? Mm. That, that ability to dream, I feel like comes from a knowing, right? Even if it's an internal knowing, you may not be able mm. to pinpoint how you know it, but mm -hmm. your spirit knows it, your soul knows it. And yeah. the lessons that they learned from those that came before them and the strengths that they saw in their ancestors, mm -hmm. our ancestors, I would think, and it's all speculation, but I would think <laughs> that would be the motivation to still be able to dream, mm -hmm. to know we have been and always will be, period. <laughs> we have always been, right? <laughs> like, I think yeah. that part about black people to me and it's just such the cliche but that's the the magic that's mm -hmm. the magic it like that's magic how we know we are what we are and listen they have tried forever yeah. to take it away from us but humanity is not something that can be gifted to you it is something that you are unless right. you turn me into a turtle like <laughs> I am a human <laughs> you can't give it to me you can't take it away from me therefore. right Absolutely. I love that. I love that statement that you said envisioning or that vision had to come from a place of knowing. Right. Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like first the baseline is you you know what's true. You know that the, the that trueness mm -hmm. of your existence. <laughs> right. 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 And, and and what that means of the value of your existence. And you know that even though what's been drilling, what's been drilled in your head and what's sort of in, you know, engulfed in your circumstances says otherwise, you still right. know I am human, I am, I exist. Mm -hmm. And that means something, right? Yeah. And that knowing in and of itself forms as the baseline to be able to project forward, right? Like inspiration and hope in, in life and all of that. The foundation. And, and honestly, even with the work I do with my clients, I always bring it back to what have you been able to do, right? Mm. The strength-based approach, but mm -hmm. in a way that we're not talking, we're, we're going real. Like mm -hmm. you've been through some trauma. Mm -hmm. You've gotten through that. You've done it. Doesn't it, it didn't feel good? 
you would prefer that it didn't happen, but you got through it, right? Mm -hmm. So there is a foundation of you that is still able to move. And we're going to build upon that so you can see the strength in you to be able to take on these other challenges. Mm, And so many people resonate with that right because it's so much of the pain that you're used to feeling Mm -hmm. and it and it hurts and it hurts and it hurts and it does you can't take that away but damn look what you did like (laughs) look what you've been through look at how you're still here not only are you still here you're here in therapy you're trying to even continue to grow and make it better and heal some more Mm -hmm. that's strength I love yours. All right. Um, but anyway, but yeah, I absolutely loved your takeaway. And I and I love yours. I think it's so important for us to really think about community right now, you know, and, and not I, I won't say now more than ever, because it's always been, you know, we needed to be thinking about that. But us, I think, to remember that. So once again, we want to thank Therese for being our guest today please make sure to check her out on all of her social media. Continue to follow us on Instagram. And email us with any questions, comments, or feedback that you have. And don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your personal podcast.